welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest for you. I have Spencer Ingram. He is the author of The Lupin Method and the co-founder of two, not one, but two career accelerating companies. One is for college students and another one is for early career. So I'm excited to talk to Spencer on the podcast today because this episode is going to be amazing. So without further ado, Spencer, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Love the energy. Super pumped to be here and uh, chat about what I've learned over the years. Spencer, I'm excited because I still remember our conversation that we had. We connected on LinkedIn and we talked for, you know, I think it felt it was supposed to be like 15, 20 minute talk, but we talked for like almost an hour and we continue to go back and forth on kind of problems that we see and why we see students struggling to find jobs. And even when they do get a job is struggling in their career, maybe they're not in the right career, they're finding themselves stuck uh, in a job. And so I just don't have an agenda for this episode because I think the dialogues that we've had come so natural that I just want to have this to be a continuing of our dialogue. So before we just start talking about this, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I was a first generation college student that's back in 2003 and I didn't last very long. I didn't know how to college very well. So I ended up dropping out and that experience defined so much of what I do in my work today in supporting, especially first generation students or students who find themselves stuck and confused in a system that isn't necessarily helping them guide their way. And that's what attracted me so much to your work, Daniel, it's just the way that you really spoke to what's broken and a lot of the ways that we need to be uh, learning for how to wayfind and what is now the, like the modern future of work. I mean, it's, it's very fluid. Uh, you're going to have multiple jobs and we're not really being taught how to navigate that uncertainty. And so students are full of anxiety and insecurity and they're wrestling all over this uncertainty and we can do better than that. And that's why I love that what, what you're bringing to students is you're showing them how to do better. Absolutely. I mean, I appreciate those kind of words. I mean, that is the goal for me, right? The goal for me is how do I help students transition from college to a career? Like one of the, the statistics that really just breaks my heart is that 40% of students don't work in a job that requires their degree, right? Like, so you think about them going to college, spending, you know, at least four years, you know, the average student now takes six years, have student debt, and then they're working in a job that they could have gone right out of high school. And so that to me breaks my heart. But then I think about it because I'm in the other side and I go to SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resource Management Organization. And then I hear companies talk about how they have trouble finding employees. And I'm like, why? Why is there such a big disconnect? And so what are your thoughts? Like, why do you think that there is a disconnect between what companies are looking for and what students have to offer? Yeah, it's a great question because that's exactly what my previous company served. And it's location specific. So it serves students at a specific East Coast University. Uh, now they're starting to expand uh, into some more online programming, um, but primarily it's for the students at the University of Virginia. And what we found was, uh, and what this company does, is it helps close those, those digital skills gaps. So the education they're getting literally across the street at the university isn't necessarily helping them learn how to uh, 
self-direct, learn what they need to, to spot to learn how to, to do for employers, how to communicate with those employers, like as in to show up and how to show that they can create value there. And what this organization did was create an entire, essentially mini school across the street that has a lot of student to student education, has a lot of um, um, employer involvement it's showing the students what they need to close the gaps in. And then these students focus their education around making projects. So, so much around uh, how they get more confident, how they get uh, more, less anxious about their future is by learning how to make things and the power that they have into all the tools today from learning, making, and sharing. It's so much power to just be able to craft and create value. And as they hone that skill, they're able to spot it better in companies. So the companies that show up, they tell us, yes, there are certainly a lot of hard and soft skills that students need to close. And we help them do that with, with coursework and group work. But then the biggest thing that employers say, one of the hardest things for them to, to recruit for is simply imagination. That the students can't look around and spot what needs to be done and bring novel solutions to the table because they're too afraid of like trying to get it right. And they haven't been trained in this sort of creativity muscle, this imagination skill set. And so, so much of the curriculum that we produce and experiences that we create are around closing hard and soft skills, but in a way that's project focused. And none of this is for credit. None of this is in the classroom. It's all students who recognize that they're not getting what they need. And this is the place to get out there and make a little noise, make a little ruckus and connect with employers who are so hungry to your point, so hungry for that talent. Yeah. I, you know, I really think, you know, it, it really is as easy as taking an open book test. Like I, I'm a strong believer that finding your dream job is an open book test. The problem then comes as, as a student, which test do you want to take? Because every single company and every single job within a company is a completely different test. So if you don't know what to take, how are you going to be able to prepare yourself for that? Because the way that what a company what a large company is looking for an accountant, what a big four is looking for an accountant student is completely different than what a smaller or mid-sized company is looking for an accountant student. And maybe the, the technical skills of accounting doesn't change, but the soft skills and the other things that come with that role will change and students need to prepare differently for those roles. And, and so I think that that's why I think that when students take the time to do self-assessment and say, okay, where do I see myself for, you know, three, five years after graduation? And then find the roles in the companies where they fit in, then they can say, okay, now what soft skills and what technical skills do I need to go and build to become the ideal candidate? If they go build those skills, no company is going to turn them down because companies are starving for talent. The problem is, is finding that talent. I, I think it's crazy to think that a management training company, like you have to spend there's companies that go through years of training. Didn't you just spend four years and got a bachelor's in business to then be trained for one year? That just shows that there's a disconnect. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing about those early, those first career jobs, those entry level jobs is that those are the ones that are most often posted, right? That are on your applicant tracking systems. And now you're competing with hundreds to thousands of other students. So much of that is just to your point, like, there's an expression, right, that the greatest skill on the farm is to look around and see what needs to be done. And if you have that set of talent, that skill set, to be self-directed, to constantly be learning and self-direct your skill set building, then you're going to be able to bypass a lot of those other students who are just following the rules that we know to be fairly broken. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned something, right? Like there's a lot of jobs and so many people apply for those jobs, but how important is networking to making sure that you stand out? There's a, so many well-founded statistics around the, the job application process and how very poorly the conventional just blind resume and cover letter, you know, uh, result in, in very, very little um, uh, offers as opposed to networking. Now there's a combination of the two. Like you need to communicate well, like those are skills you can learn from cover letters. You need to show what you, what you can do. There are other mechanisms to do that. And so the networking is going to be a fundamental component here, even for entry level employees in, in first career, you know, out of college. So the problem with networking is people will tell you like networking is really important. You should network more. And then it kind of ends there. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, what, how do you get trained to network better? And you know, there's a lot of anxiety if you just were to go to like the company happy hour or the company, the big event. And like, how do you approach people? What do you say? And what do you offer? That's sort of the only known mechanisms for networking that we understand because that's what's kind of projected to us. There are so many other ways to connect with people authentically, to show up, appreciate, share gratitude, give show projects, create value and do things in a way that you can network that is much more authentic. So here's an example, right? If you're in a smaller area um, or small cities to big cities, this is especially helpful. Go conference crashing. Without fail, there's going to be an event around something that you are very interested in moving into. And this is a really small uh, test and learn experiment that lets you put your feet in the water and just like see what's out there, look, understand the positions and the roles, what's new, what's on the edges, what are they talking about, and go to this conference. How do you crash? Just volunteer. Now you're, you are quite literally given a t-shirt and a badge to meet people. Right. You know, and like, that's free. You know, it's a little bit harder if you're in a, maybe a much more rural area or, or isolated college campus. Um, but for students who are in a place where you can, you can search and find those opportunities, they don't have to be big. You don't have to crash South by Southwest, right? You just need to go to the little conference. Those are the best ones because you're going to have hand to hand interactions with folks. So that's one example that just makes it much more authentic. I love that. And actually, so in my book, I talk a lot about networking and I have a checklist on networking at an event. And similar to what you just talked about volunteering, I have students do is, first of all, you need to at attend there early, at least half an hour early before the event. Because who is there half an hour earlier? The, generally, the organizer, right? He is there oh, yeah. 30 minutes early, making sure that everything's there. And the organizer knows essentially everybody that's going to be at that event. And so I would get the first person I want a student to meet is the organizer. And before you even meet to the organizer, I want you to go in and understand what is the goal of the organizer and what is the goal of the event? Is it A, is it to make money? Is, he, is this like the more ticket sales, the better? For him, is it a networking because it's a professional organization that's hosting this? Is it to make sure that the audience comes and learns? Right. So understanding what that is and say, how can I provide value to the organizer and how can I help? That might be volunteering that same day, volunteering cleaning up. Maybe it's the next event that you can volunteer. Then the organizer will be the one that can open any door from you because if, you, if there's somebody there that you want to meet and you're like, maybe I don't, I don't want to introduce myself, you, should, you can go up to the organizer. He becomes your ally in your corner and you can say, hey, do you mind introducing me, introduce me to this individual right there? Um, and so I think, you know, what you said is, is key. And I think that, um, that, that trick of volunteering and hacking conferences, like it's perfect conferences, events, 
always looking for volunteers. They're not going to turn them down. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you said it you, just right, right? It's I mean, show up like it's a job, right? Show up early, stay late, you know, look, look at what needs to be done. You know, that's that most volunteers are kind of like been recruited kind of strong arm by somebody else at the event. And they're like, Oh yeah, I'm just here to volunteer, you know, but if you're there because you're hungry, like you're going to, it's going to make a huge difference. Another great example is trying to get coffee with people, right. That you want to talk to. Well, that's a huge commitment and it's a one way street. So now like I have to leave my office. I have to go get this coffee with you at a commute. I'm not sure exactly why we're going to be there, you know, and you're just kind of picking my brain when I could have given you most of what you need in like a five minute email. Okay. Now that's less of the, the same dynamic of interaction, but let's do that, you know, 10 times over. So we do a drill called the cheat sheet. It's a really good a way of getting the two or three like golden nugget information from people who you would love to get coffee with, but maybe you're not in their city. They just don't have the time. It's a huge ask. And so instead you say, Hey, look, stroke their ego a little bit and say, I'm going in, I'm trying to find this great advice on getting into insert the career you're interested in. So like social impact careers, what is the advice you always give to people, but you just don't have time to have coffee with everyone. And then I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to compile it with the other 12 people I'm asking this. So you're going to be up there with a bunch of other thought leaders. And then when people come to you with this question that you wish you could say yes to all the time, you can just send them this PDF, right? So I'm going to create this artifact for you. And then you go and you make a little survey, right? You're using great tools, simple things. And you send this question. It's very simple. And then the last thing you do when they send it back, you say, who else would be great to fill this out? I'm talking about a week's worth of time here. You can have a dozen people, you know, C-level even, giving you their like little piece of advice. Now you send that back to them when you've compiled it all. And you're like, here's my gift. And you make that shareable on LinkedIn. People go bananas. They think you're a genius. You know? and, wow. and, and, and then you look inside. You look inside of what those three sentences they say, and you're going to find what you might do next. So a good example about the social impact careers, we did this with the student. And one of the CEOs said, look, I serve on a lot of nonprofit boards with social impact. And our biggest challenge is we don't really have the Generation Z perspective. We don't really know how to help or get you involved or how to engage you and, and just to get your sense of the world because our board is full of a bunch of high level experience. So we would actually love to have a young person serve on the board with us. And that kind of insight is mind blowing because you would totally discount your eligibility for doing something like that. Right. So, and this is, this is a board member telling you we need that. And now you can take that little insight and take your next step. Imagine the social capital you build by going and volunteering on a board. Wow. Yeah. I mean, th that is like, if, if you sit on a board, a bunch of other executives, you, you, life changing, career changing event, like being able to network with those individuals, you're at least going to get out of there with a job. If not, like have so many more opportunities than you had. If you didn't, that, that's amazing. I think networking is really the best way for students to get jobs is to put themselves out there and network their way to their job. Uh, you know, with applicant tracking systems and with any particular job, the average job that's open online gets 700 applicants, right? It, and recruiters are not going to, or even HR managers, recruiters, hiring managers, whoever is looking responsible for looking at those, they're not going to go through 700, right? So that, that's why 
they use applicant tracking systems. Why take the chances and be one of 700 when you can build relationships and email the, your resume directly to the decision maker so that they're going to actually take a look at it for much longer than six seconds. It's, it is no better way. I, I think networking is so, so important, but I don't know that anybody takes a class on networking. In That's college. right. Yeah. I mean, you could, you can, there's so many ways to break the old, old networking myths that like I just said, you know, cheat sheet, conference crashing, and you, you learn things, insights, like go serve on a board. I mean, you might not be an official, you know, legal board member, but you're like a liaison, right? You're a volunteer, you're in the room. There's so many other mechanisms to connect authentically with people and, and they're going to be way more fun. You know, that's, yeah. that's the bottom line here. I mean, when you're having fun and it's, and it's ex- exploration, we're tapping into the ways in which our minds want to come alive. You know, there's a lot more self-expression, there's curiosity and discovery. And that's the shift that we really need to make here to be successful in, in, in career hunting, right? If we're going to follow the same path of like time back from that, nobody finishes the end of the day and says, I'm really glad I spent all day on job boards. Like I feel super alive. You know? <laughs> but if you make stuff, if you show up and you learn how to spot value and you do it in these weird ways, people look at you and they're like, wow, that's, that's smart. You know, and you don't have to get it right. That's the whole, that's the huge part of the anxiety here is like, but how do I know? Well, let's go test. Let's go talk to these folks. Let's, let's play with things. And people are going to respect that a lot more than just sort of blind, you know, hunting and, and blind applications. Yeah. I think it's funny. because I, I definitely don't have any data to, to prove my theory, but I really think the 80, 20 rule applies to everything. And I really do believe that 80% of students time is spent applying on online and 20% on networking when that should be flipped. It should be 80% should be spent on networking and 20% should be applying online. Um, again, I have no data to prove that. I just, it's what I assume. And, and, and I see that the students that are actually putting themselves out there are the ones that are getting the jobs. Um, I think, you know, community services and you, and you touched up on that is, an amazing way to network and especially if you're strategic with what if let's give you an example i worked for pepsico for six years across the nation pepsico um, sponsors feed the children and there's feed the children in, in in most communities across the country and who sits on the board of that community's feed the children a lot of times it's the pepsico employees that work in the communities they serve and then their employees are volunteering doing food drives and donating food to the community, to the shelters. And if you wanted to work at PepsiCo, then Feed the Children would be a great company to volunteer and network and meet individuals and have fun and give back. And, and that applies to pretty much every company. Like I say, you want to work for Home Depot, so then go build uh, humanity. You go build houses for, for humanity. And so, and you can continue to give examples of where places that you could volunteer that aligns with the companies that you want to work for. I'm talking about big companies here, but smaller companies also do this. Smaller companies also like the owners and founders of midsize and smaller companies also have passion organizations that they give. It could be the YMCA. I mean, whatever that might be. So um, I, I love it. Let's shift Spencer. Let's talk about best Monday ever, because I think what you're doing there is amazing. And a lot of the students that are now listening to my podcast, they've gotten job offers because they've executed some of that advice. And now they're thinking, how do I become successful in my career now? How do I continue this trend? Yeah. So it's very likely that you are going to have multiple careers, uh, especially in your early career years. 
Um, and that some of that will be outside of your control. Some of it will be that you, you're not growing anymore in that company. Um, you've outgrown them um, and they don't have anywhere to put you. Some companies will just have toxic cultures that you want to leave. Um, and then sometimes your interests shift and you're ready for something new and something fresh, or you have to move across the country because of any number of reasons, relationship or health, family. And so we can't just always plan our careers. Uh, there's going to be things outside of our control. And then the things that drive us change. So as you're moving to that early career, the goal is to not be static. You want to always be constantly curious, constantly exploring, continuing to build your network and running really small tests to sample so that you don't take any big leaps. You know, if you're ready to leave a job, well, at least you have the job to hang on to for now. <laughs> you can use that time, especially the time outside of work before and after, to continue looking at these unique building and making opportunities, skill building opportunities. And they're not so much that you're planning your next move, but you're just exploring. And you know, to your point about going and volunteering on these various groups that might have, of course, other professionals volunteering, um, give a damn about something, right? You know, like as you're in your early career, we're so focused on like just the, the career, then the job. As you, as you age, as you get more involved in the work, you often want to start to lend yourself more towards a purpose, something bigger than yourself. And so thinking about your work and, and what you want to apply yourself to, think about what you really gave a damn about and go to those edges. You know, if it's, if it's about food insecurity, right, you're going to find those organizations. And what's amazing about this perspective, this, this like give a damn perspective, is that there's a very long tail of the enterprise today. So there's all the companies that are doing every imaginable niche and specific type of impact that you could possibly imagine. The challenge is going to be, how do you find them? And if you have something to aim at and some little time on your hands because you're still employed, you can start to go find those communities, those volunteer groups, those meetup groups, those conferences, you know, and, and you go explore what the possibilities are there because the long tail is just so rich with opportunity. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think that's amazing. And so tell, tell me a little bit more about like, you know, what do you, the services that you guys provide and kind of how you guys help individuals be successful in their career? Yeah. So over the last uh, eight years, we've developed a lot of um, weird and unconventional tools for career navigation. Um, and they kind of go through, it focuses on this fundamental practice of, of creating test and learn experiments. And those experiments have fundamental parts. Like you have to ask a, a better question than what am I going to do next to my job? And it helps to aim at something really specific. So you can go and explore the thing that you, you know, for example, give a damn about. And then you got to create stuff. You got to really, you know, go conference crash, make things there, capture the, the attention, uh, capture the value that you created, um, connect with people, and then reflect on what you learned through these little experiments. So all of our work wraps around that fundamental shift from planning to discovery through test and learn. But it doesn't mean we don't get stuck in those steps. So what we do is we create a lot of really small drills, these ways of helping the mind um, kind of misfire so that we're not aiming right at the problem. We're aiming at something that we, we are much more able to uh, ask better questions and start to answer. So here, here's an example. I often talk about like, you know, how to name beer um, and what it has to do with your career. Uh, I used to do a lot of work around helping companies through innovation consulting. And one of the projects we did was naming beer for a company. Well, beer is kind of a funky category. There's so many names. And the problem with craft beer today is there's a lot of names. It's really hard to be distinct now because a lot of the linear kind of naming conventions have already been followed. 
it, there's so many names out there. So you need to get them to think about a different problem. Don't name beer. Let's name something else and come at it from a weird and fun angle so that our brains can misfire. The same thing has to happen to our career. We're so caught up in getting it right and trying to pick the thing that's going to be amazing, the beer that's going to sell, you know, the career that's going to be great for us. But the reality is we can't pick the right path on a future that hasn't been invented yet. So we need to position our minds at aiming at something else, aiming at something that's a little bit weird. And it helps us free up the way we think and we can come up with more imaginative solutions. So a good example in this, and this applies to both your career and, and to um, innovation work. If you want to come up with new ideas for something, come up with some really bad ideas. So there's a drug we call Dr. Evil, right? It's, it's freaking sharks with lasers on their heads. <laughs> like it's a bad idea, right? That's the whole comedy of Dr. Evil. Like he has such bad ideas. So come up with those things that would actually probably make things worse. And then look at like how you would flip those bad ideas into Mr. Powers, right? How they become things that could actually create inspiration. So I'll give you an example of that. We had a bunch of students who wanted to run a career fair uh, because they didn't feel like the career fair was very representational and very fun <laughs> at the university. And I said, well, you know, let's Dr. Evil this thing. And one of the ideas was like, what if you didn't tell anybody about it? <laughs> like, that, would, that might be a really bad idea for a career fair. Um, no one shows up. And then it, it inspired Mr. Powers. It's like, well, wait a minute. What if it was a secret career fair? You know, and what if it was like secret invitations and they created these little, you know, like um, anonymous invitations. You had to go down to the library stacks and you had to find the Dewey Decimal System and pull a book off and there's the invitation. It's like, like some secret society level stuff, right? You could imagine how enthusiastic those students were about that career fair, <laughs> so, you know, all because of a, of a bad idea, you know, Dr. Evil. So you can use these things, these drills like that to kind of get your brain off the linear thinking. And that's so much of the work that we do. And the way that we deliver that to people now is to kind of like a show. What was the result of the career fair? Like, so the students were, had a, you know, kind of, it was secretive. They kind of had to go to the library. Did that made like word of mouth? Did that, because of that secretness, did that word of mouth spread and people showed up or was it? Yeah. Well, we all, we all know secrets don't stay secret very long, right? So they're like, I got this weird invitation. And so, you, so now like they got singled out, they feel special. So they're going to prepare really well for it. And then on the other side, you have the companies come and show up, right? They don't know what's going on either, but they see that students come in in small waves, right? They're not a huge, big group. And so students get one-on-one -on -one time and then there's another wave of students. And the employers said, this was the best career fair we've ever been to because it was curated and students were excited and they prepared well and it was sort of intimate and all because of a bad idea that we started with. Wow. And so that's a pretty interesting way of looking at it. And I think it, it, if that's awesome, I think that's super cool. Um, what do you think are some things that students can do now, right now, like while they're still students to make sure that they have a leg up once they start their career? Yeah, so what are the things you can start early to get a leg up in your career? Um, well, I mean, so much of our time at the university and colleges is spent on, on the, the class, right? And getting our major complete and credit hours. But if you could carve out more time getting outside of that bubble, carve out more time to get involved with professional associations, even at the student level, um, so you can just get a bigger sense of the world. You know, what shows up at, at campus is just such a very small 
sliver of, of, the, of the opportunities that are going to be available to you, especially today in a world where work is, is so fluid, you know, and there's a very long tail of opportunities in there. So, you know, the campus career fairs are going to be the consistent large companies, and those are great. And you can get prepared for them by getting involved in what those companies care about. But spend more time outside the classroom self-educating, like making things, exploring your own curiosity, because you're going to open up all of these little worlds that are going to give you a, a sense of awareness of what's available to you beyond the traditional like linear pathways. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Hey Spencer, we're like flying through time. It's, it's actually been 30 minutes. So I w- want to give you the opportunity. Is there any specific topic or something that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we talk about and the students know about? You know, I, I would just leave them with this, this idea that making things matters most, that the, the world is run by creators, um, employers, despite whatever hard and soft skill gaps are needed, they are looking for imagination. You know, we live in a world that's in flux. And so that skill set to imagine and to spot what needs to be done, bring different ideas together, that's going to be incredibly valuable. And you're going to fill in the rest. You're going to be able to self-educate on whatever you need to do, but making things is a way of exercising that imagination and you're going to build so much confidence through it. So don't be afraid to use all the powerful tools for learning, making and sharing that you have today. There's nothing like that when I was in school, right? Like YouTube started my second year of college. So, you know, you're, you're in a, you're a lucky bunch today, you know, go make stuff. Really. It's going to be a little bit, you know, imperfect. It's going to be sketchy. You know, it's going to look ugly upon reflection, but that's how you're going to learn, learn best. So uh, best of luck. And, and Daniel, I really appreciate you having me on here to, to chat and I love what you're doing. So um, make me a resource and to your students the same. Perfect. What is the best way for students to reach out to you then? You can find me on Instagram uh, at best Monday ever. Uh, we just started a little community there um, where I'm just going to, you just DM your questions. And I answer them. It's a little live Perfect. show. Perfect. So yeah, Instagram, you know, every student now has Instagram. So this is a perfect way to connect with Spencer. So again, thank you so much, Spencer. This has been an amazing, amazing episode. I look forward to continue our build our relationship and students. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career. Doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's gonna set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job, keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.